Welcome, everyone. How's it going? Man, we and everyone else are all in the same struggle right now. Not everyone else. Only the people (laughs) that bank with Silicon Valley Bank. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Only the people that bank with SVB, apparently. They are one of the top 20 largest banks in the United States. That is correct. And what's happening? Well, Silicon Valley Bank, has. there's been a run on the bank. Their stock is now down more than 80% in the span of 40 hours, maybe less. So if anyone is curious as to what's happening, what I'll do is I'll read, I'll read what's happening and I'll let you, the audience, make a decision on what's going on. But uh, all I know is we're experiencing it. So that's that's how we're talking about it today. (laughs) That's the real problem. So Silicon Valley Bank drops another 60 percent and is halted. As pressure mounts on the banking sector, shares of Silicon Valley Bank tumbled for a second day on Friday. That's Friday, March 10th, and weighed on the entire banking sector again on concern that more banks could incur heavy losses on their bond portfolios. Concern among founders and venture capital investors spiked earlier this week after Silicon Valley Bank surprised the market by announcing late Wednesday it needed to raise $2.25 billion in stock. The shares were down another 62% in pre-market trading Friday before they were halted. So... They got halted. They wouldn't even allow you to trade the stock because of probably because so many people were trying to put shorts in. Yeah. Uh, but CNBC David Favor reported the bank was attempting to sell itself. The shares did not open for regular trading. Um, and then, of course, SVB CEO Greg Becker, who has been on the show before, held a call with clients Thursday afternoon to calm their fears. CNBC learned um, that's the current status. And we at Mission bank with svb so we are experiencing let's call them challenges yeah but i will even though we're experiencing challenges we at least kind of got ahead of it because one of my friends called me and said hey my investors just told us to pull all our money out and just put it in your personal account for now until you find a new business bank account so we're doing that and maybe it's just a recommendation and so she called me yesterday morning and said that and i was like albert we need to pull all our money out I don't know all the details, but let's just pull it out. And we did. However, this morning we were trying to check to make sure that the wire went out and Albert can't get in now, which was what I was worried about. I think our money maybe got out. I don't know. But my first thought when I was telling Albert, I'm like, I think we should pull it out. He's like, well, this bank is FDIC protected. It's fine. We don't have over 250K and it's fine. I was like, how long will it take to work with this agency to try and get our money back a year at that point mission will be gone then if we're just waiting to get our money back so yeah (laughs) yeah like i don't i mean it it's like you know these different tax credits we're getting or whatever when you apply for them it's like you get them maybe like six months 12 months later you're like okay great that's not that helpful like i need that right now that was my operating cash so interesting times tbd on what happened with that money that we're trying to get out of. yeah you know you know what's funny is jason lemkin who has been on the show as one of our shows as well, the king of Saster for anyone who's followed Saster. He uh he tweeted yesterday that he had 13 million dollars or Saster did in SVB and he was fine leaving it in. I'll tell you now, he has deleted that tweet. Ooh. Yeah. I mean <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Man. I mean, that doesn't mean he's done anything. I don't know what he's done or whatever maybe he overstated maybe he understated i don't know the reasoning behind the tweet all i'm saying is he was trying to like let's say inspire some confidence Mm -hmm. uh yesterday and uh he has now since not tweeted uh that he is gonna that he's gonna keep 13 million dollars of sasser's money with svb 
doesn't mean yeah. that he's done anything, but I'm just saying the tweet's not present. Yeah. I mean, I think this scenario has opened up a lot of questions, at least for me and a lot of founders, you know, anyone who's like working on the finances with a company, like how much, how many questions we don't really ask or think about day to day. I mean, you just think this is a bank protected by the government, not a big deal, but I don't think we ask enough questions, especially like startups. We're just like, okay, just put your money there. But I think it's actually a good, not a good thing. It's obviously a shitty thing, but it's going to have us think differently when it comes to banking, like where we're keeping our money. Um, Is this the best bank? I mean, we were having, we had heard about security issues with SVB and we were just kind of like, huh, that sucks. But like we didn't, because it wasn't impacting us, we were like, oh, that sucks for you. Like we're not going to switch though, even though that sounds pretty terrible that how SVB was handling this fraud issue that my friend was going through. Um, But I think all of this is going to actually have a lot of questions and kind of opens up a good conversation today around like how, you know, we think about finances at Mission are handling it and maybe what we're learning from this actual event that we might choose to do things a bit differently. Well, the first thing I'd say is like when you're a commercial entity, there's really only so many banks to choose from to begin with. And and really they're not that different uh, in my opinion. So um, so when you were saying like, if we don't know too much about, I mean, I don't think anyone knows that much about the banking sector. I just don't, but I know you need it because otherwise mm-hmm. you can't receive payments. <laughs> super hard to receive payments without a bank and yeah. super hard to get lines of credit without banking entities. So the reality is that we are part of an existing system and we know that banks always roll up other banks, you know, like the most uh, most recent big one was, of course, SunTrust and um, SunTrust and BB&T mm-hmm. merged to make Truist. So that's you know a little bit less options. So when you're when you're a business entrepreneur, you really do have limited options. For me, I always think to myself, "Hey, I want slow, stodgy, and steady." Mm-hmm. I think. I understand that a lot of people like creative financing products. I think a lot of people like to have access to capital that maybe they don't have, for example, different products that are uncollateralized capital. Capital. I'm not saying those are bad things, um, but I think of like, I would want to know that my bank is like legacy. I know old, boring, conservative. Like I want to know my money is safe. That's how I think of banking. Um Anytime I hear like these, oh, this is a brand new experimental way to bank. I'm like, I don't want to experiment with my money. Like, cause if it's if the experiment's wrong, I don't want to lose. I don't mm-hmm. personally want to lose. So I personally bank with a couple of different banks. And then, uh, but I, if I were to vote and tell people like which one I would recommend, I like Capital One personally. I find it's like mobile tools to be the most useful. Um, I've, I don't have any like aggressive finance products with it or anything like that, but Capital One seems to me to like to be the most technologically efficient, but yep. that's how I, mean, I think of banks. The one thing, my only one hold up with banks like Capital One, I agree that like I don't want to go with the newest thing. Um, anything that's new, I'm kind of a little nervous about. But for ones like Capital One, they don't have any good like savings offerings, and that's something that I always thought about with like SVB of like, man, our money literally just sits there and loses money every day. Every dollar that's in there, it's getting inflated away because SVB has no interest on these accounts they have. And you go to your personal account, and you're like, oh, okay, right now, at least the market has, you know, pretty good savings rates on, you know, Amex's. I know Capital One has a good one. So I'm like, how can I be making money in these accounts? And then the business ones don't have anything. And so that's why I started- The business looking- ones never have anything. This for well, everyone to listen, like- I found one. Well, traditionally. 
Well, we found one. <laughs> and they're but not new. Traditionally, commercial commercial banks don't offer any type of like high interest yield savings accounts or checking accounts uh, to commercial entities. That's how it's traditionally yeah. been. Yeah, and so, but I was just like, man, what should we be doing with our money? Because on a week on week basis, most companies have money sitting in their bank account. The one company yeah. that I did find is called Live Oak Bank, and they've been around for a while as well. They're um, publicly traded. Publicly traded. I want you to look Lob, at them. Lob, Lob, but they do have uh, a higher savings rate for like companies, which I thought was interesting. We're not banking with mm. them, but I just started looking at them. I'm like, this looks, you know, they're well established. They've been around a while, FDIC insured, all the things, and they look like they could be better. And the other thing though that I've been exploring is I was talking to. Um, have you heard of you know like family offices that manage? I mean. Usually, I mean, I'll yes. call them high net worth families, but also companies as well. I was talking to- I've not heard ones for companies. I've heard of uh, like high net worth families. Yeah. So they'll normally start with families, but those families normally have businesses as well. And so they're managing money for those businesses too. And it was interesting hearing this guy talk about how he kind of works with the finances you know, on a nightly basis to, or on a weekly or monthly or whatever, to put- like leftover cash reserves into either money market accounts or into um, T-bills because right now there's no buy-ask spread on a T-bill, so you can just get in and out really quickly on them. Um, and he was kind of going through his process of how he, you know, he works with the founders to make sure he understands, okay, how much cash do you need? What's the plan? Is there any little bit of leftover? And then figures out a way to invest that on a short-term basis. Um, and it just kind of opened up my eyes to maybe things that we haven't really thought about because we haven't really had time. But I'm like, man, we just have always let money sit there, use it when we need it. But we're definitely not doing something with that cash. And I mean, especially it would matter for people with higher balances than us, of course. Um, but that's just something that I'm starting to think about now with all this SVB stuff, looking at new banks and then being like, okay, if we ever do have leftover money week to week, just sitting there, we should probably be doing something because inflation is just freaking wiping it out every day, every minute. Agree 100%. And just for the record for everybody like the i don't think you'll make a ton in the interest and stuff like that like i don't think you'll make a ton but if you carry about like there are times because like our for our business our customers often pay like on a campaign basis so they might pay for a quarter or something like that and so for the top of the quarter we'll have a high cash balance and as the quarter goes on our cash balance will lower and of course it gets replenished but like i do I think of it in the same way you do, which is for me personally, I'm always thinking to myself, how do I pull a little bit extra for myself? And I think it makes total sense that if there are banks that do this for on a commercial basis, that you would go with them. I mean, mm-hmm. it might not be a lot like for for like a so 3.5% APR per $200,000 on a monthly basis is 500 bucks. It's about 500 bucks. Hey, and you might think that pays oh. for something. <laughs> Yeah, that pays for something like some software subscriptions that we have, right? Yeah. But that's per 200 grand, right? So if you like, I think at our peak, we probably carried a million dollar balances, right? So mm-hmm. multiply that times five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, multiply that times five. We have $2,500 of extra cash a month or 2,500 in the first month, maybe half of that, 1750 in the next month, and then a little bit less in the next month. Mm-hmm. But still, over the course of the year, that's pretty good. It's not yeah, great. It's, it's something. But it's better than zero. Yeah. And <laughs> but, I mean, but, but, you, but it is better than zero. I'm looking at the numbers that tweet that you sent me, um, where it was Genevieve 
Roche Dector, where she was talking about SVB, and she was talking about only 2.7% of Silicon Valley bank deposits are less than $250,000. So we are part of that 2.7%. So 97% have over $250,000 in them. I'm thinking about those people, and I'm thinking about us. I'm thinking about everyone. But I'm like, that's a lot of money just to be sitting in an account making nothing on it. I mean, well, so how these banks, how these banks traditionally have done it. And if you, and you and anyone can go who's experienced it, experienced it. And if you haven't, it's not hard to experience a lot of times when it's an uncollateralized loan. And even if it is collateralized, they will not give a commercial loan unless you have your savings or deposit with them or they'll make it, they'll incentivize it. So your savings and deposits with them. So I know this because of that recent um, apartment complex purchase. So mm-hmm. when you buy a multifamily, it's, it's gotta be a commercial loan. And the commercial lenders are like, it's this rate when you don't have a bank account with us, it's this rate when you do. So that's mm-hmm. how they get you to like put your money with them so that they have a bigger pool that they can loan out. Now that's against something collateralized where I think SVB got in a lot of trouble based on what I'm hearing again. I don't actually know. I think more will unfold as they probably issued quite a bit of uncollateralized loans to the tech sector, which we now see is getting killed. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> or they yeah. collateralized it with stock, which is like even more disastrous because like if I were to loan you against your stock portfolio and you're going to bring, you're going to front, let's say a million dollars of stock for a million dollars loan. And now the stock's worth $250,000 and you default on your repayment because like, it's like, dude, you can just have the stock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> this, is, yep. this is not good. I'm very yeah. upset. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, if you think about SVB, like where, I mean, why they have all the companies they do is because they're networked in with all the VC firms in Silicon Valley. I mean, that's why we were working with them because of the early investors, the bank or the uh, lawyer that we were working with. Like they all were in cahoots with each other being like, go to SVB. And now it's like, oh no, they were very concentrated in that startup culture, which yeah, is yeah. crushed. I mean, I get it because, because like they were probably willing to do loans that maybe a traditional, like maybe a live yeah. oak would never do. Like Live Oak made me like, I won't, I won't borrow. I'm not loaning money to a podcasting company that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm not loaning. Like how many years of history do you have? One. Like, yeah. Steph, you don't look like a good profile to me. Like Live Oak. Yes, I do actually. Look at this face. Very trusting. (laughs) But at the time, but at the time, SVB was like, yo, you need some money? (laughs) You're the valley dog. (laughs) Which, hey, you know what? Good for them in those days because it was actually helpful having like that kind of support in the early days. I think. Yeah, but now obviously the aftermath is coming. So very, very interesting. Um, Okay, any final pieces you think around how we think about finances? I mean, you're the one who does the day-to-day now. I don't have to do that anymore, thankfully. Um, (laughs) But is there anything else that you think is like super important for anyone who's running a company to think about day-to-day, month-to-month, or things that you do that, you know, I wouldn't even think to bring up right now? Well... I think at the end of the day, when anyone starts a business, the reality is you're going to need some type of financial product, most likely to like float you. Um, so cash flow and revenue, two hugely different things. You can read about it in any given podcast. But if you're listening and you're thinking about doing a startup, because let's say you're a developer and you've never actually sold anything. And the biggest challenge is cash flow. Cash flow is your problem. So even for like, me and step like missions, like some of missions customers have net 90 days. So we make a podcast. They agree that we're going to make at the end of the month, we bill them. They do not pay us for 90 days. Our bills continue. Our payroll continues. 
So it's this constant balancing of cash flow, cash flow, the actual dollars that come in and the actual dollars that have to go out. And that's why you sometimes have to carry it. We mentioned at the beginning, but at the top of the quarter, we would carry such big balances, not because we wanted to carry a big balance, but because we had to pay payroll and we knew we were going to have to keep paying payroll. So of course we could have shuffled money around, but you know, of course, it, have we forgotten to shuffle it back and like it would have been a problem. So we just kept the money in the account. So for anyone who's out there thinking about starting a business, one of the things I would always say is like, you got to find a company that I would say you want to bank with someone who like understands your cash flow requirements. Um, I know that for example, Bank of America right now, if you start up a company and you open a business credit card account, they'll give you 0% interest for like the first nine months. I mean, that's a big help. Uh, mm-hmm. to not have to pay your credit card balance for nine months. Of course, you do have to generate cash to pay it off, but that's a big help. So you're looking for some type of 0% interest of some type to help you carry balances. It's one of the most painful parts of starting a business, getting enough cash flow. And uh, and it's like, a, and I, I can see why people want to go towards those more aggressive opportunities. I think what this has taught, I don't, I don't know if this lesson teaches us anything only because it's like, at the end of the day, like I said, you, you only have so many options anyways to start banking, but I do like what you just said, which is your recommendation. So live Oak, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. What do you think? Um, Well, I haven't read enough, but I mean, right off the surface, it looks fine. I I got no problems with it, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, apparently- It holds money and it's FDIC insured. I mean, like that, that's like the, the, the staples. I mean, that means uh, it can be Some of these online banks I think aren't. I mean, when I was looking at it, they said Live Oak was one of the first maybe online banks to get that, which maybe I haven't looked into this, but I'm like, does that mean there's other- online banks who are not FDIC insured. Oh, I wouldn't work just, with any of those. I would not yeah, work but with I mean, those. Like, how often would you think about that though? As a, you know, you're getting into the market, you're just trying to find a quick banking product. You, everyone's talking about the newest, greatest one. You're like, that's fine. All banks are probably FDI insured. But like, how often are you actually going and looking? At least for me, I will personally say that's not the first thing I'm looking for. I'm, I don't know until that's now. True. So I yeah. literally never thought that a bank would, wouldn't be. Yeah. So when I saw like Live Oak was one of the first <laughs> ones, I'm like, does that mean there's some that aren't? I don't get it. But I'll just yeah. say, I think it's good just to be careful now. In order to be FDIC insured, you have to have specific lending standards as in like how much cash to loan can you have? How much can be collateralized, not collateralized and so on. So it's designed so that there isn't this situation where all of a sudden like you're completely insolvent. I don't know why there was such a run on cash for SVB, like that hasn't been made clear yet to me. I know that they did a huge bond sale at a $1.8 billion loss and like they locked in the loss because mm-hmm. um, they were having liquidity problems. And that sounds bad for a bank. You want your bank to be like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I mean, know people, not, you know, people shit on uh, Dave Ramsey for being too conservative, but I want my banker to be like Dave Ramsey. I want him yeah. to never want to give the money away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why there was probably and there is a run on SVB right now, because it's not that people are like, I'll never get my money money back. It's like it's a cash flow thing. Well, I still need it right now. So I better get it out quickly because yeah, I don't want to tie it up for six months to a year in whatever lawsuits are going to come from this or whatever actually ends up happening. So, man, it'll be interesting to watch. But it also took us on an interesting conversation today. So thanks for going there with me and hope you guys enjoyed it. Which, by the way. I got hit with the shittiest document of all time. Oh, is that is that your uh, is that your interest um, income tax from FTX? Yeah, West 
West Realm Shire Services Inc., which is a subsidiary of FTX, has just issued its 1099s of the interest it's paid on people's accounts for staking crypto and stuff like that. So I have my interest income statement of which I have to now report to the IRS. And if I could spend it, I'd be fine with it. But guess what? FTX took all my money. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm going to be paying taxes on interest that I earned, but I cannot spend because SBF is a piece of shit. No, SBS, well, Sam, the bank, oh. Sam Bankman Freed is a piece oh, of, and, I, oh. and like, I, tw- I wrote this on, I wrote this on LinkedIn, but like, if you told me he got fed to an anaconda, I would not cry. I'd be like, good. She, over, over your, uh, well, how much money did you lose in FTX? $700. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it'd be worse, I guess, but still annoying. Well, I, uh, well, like, uh, so there is one Twitter guy I follow. I mentioned before Dylan LeClaire at Dylan uh, LeClaire spelled L E C L A I R underscore. Dylan LeClaire started tweeting and I've been following for a while. Dylan LeClaire started tweeting that FTX is going to collapse. Get your money out now. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, this guy's right on so many things. Maybe I'll listen to him. Maybe I'll do it. I'll, I'll pull my money out of FTX just in case. And sure enough, two or three days later, it was like, you couldn't do anything on FTX. Mm-hmm. I was The only reason why I wasn't able to pull out the final 700 is because the way these crypto banks, a lot of the crypto banks work is when you make a cash deposit, it's like held for mm-hmm. seven days or something like that. And and I had a recurring buy um set up with FTX. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't able to pull out the last $700, but I was able to pull off, uh, you know, I, I, I'm okay saying more than $10,000. So yeah. in the end, I got 90 plus percent of my money back. But the fact that Sam Bankman Freed, or I don't even know how to pronounce the name, SBF is such a terrible human being <laughs> and would do that to that many people. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I very much so believe that financial crimes are violent crimes. I think they should be persecuted like violent oh, crimes. Yeah. By the way, did you see the, did you see the new article about the guy that did PPP fraud in Miami? He's got, uh, he just got convicted guilty. He's going to have to serve 10 years. Well, I mean, good. I think any of that fraud, yeah, you should actually have outcomes when you do that kind of stuff. But FTX to me also that kind of, that brings up my whole point of like how many people go on these platforms and invest and assume Hey, I mean, this is a very public company. This dude was out schmoozing with like very high up people. If you look at like his history, so how many oh, people yeah, yeah. even look into that? You're like, Super yeah, Bowl all my friends commercials. They yeah. were every VC wanted a piece of SP, uh, FTX. It was like the yep. fastest growing brokerage. He like was on the cover of magazines. That's what I'm saying. We don't ask yeah. enough questions. Apparently, we're just too trusting as humans. So, there's yeah. That. Well, when it comes to buying, I mean, crypto is a wild west. I knew crypto is a wild west too, though. I mean, it's like completely unregulated. and Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. but don't you feel like Coinbase probably, uh, I feel like probably is doing something a bit different, but I'm like, then what what am I looking for? Like, how do you know? We would hope so. Why is Coinbase better? Which I know it is. So we would hope so because Coinbase is publicly traded. So you feel like it's more under scrutiny, but I mean, that doesn't mean it's nothing. So I actually use Ledger. Uh, Ledger is the uh, is the wallet company. Mm-hmm. Yep, I know. So the hard, I have the my, hardware wallet, right? Yeah, so I use Ledger. Um, did so you take I your do have crypto my, off the exchange. I did. Good job. 
Wow. I have, I have, I have a little bit in exchange. I have a little bit in Coinbase wallet, but most of my crypto is on Ledger now. I actually just bought one. And if someone, and if I ever lose my Ledger, I don't know what to do because I, I think you can lose your ledger my, and still get it back. I was reading into that. Only if thing. you maintain your secret password, which is yeah, so irrecoverable you by anyone else. <laughs> yeah. So just I already lost it. That. I don't know where it is. What the? Okay. Not trusting you with any crypto. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I did. I did put my secret password in a safety deposit box. So oh, okay. I need these banks to not catch on fire, which they really don't catch on fire. Did you so put it in SVB? <laughs> Oops. <No. laughs> <laughs> there are no SVBs near me. Yeah. Yeah. SVB. SV, we talked about SVB. We don't know what's going on in that bank. The Actually, the one of the, one of the problems we're about to have is we're going to have to transfer all of our banking information. Mm-hmm. And it's not that transferring a banking information is hard. It's that enterprises move slow. Well, That's, yeah, we work with large companies that just it's hard <laughs> to work quickly in those systems, which I get it. They're large oh, companies, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. When I when I make a when I make a request to change the routing number, it's going to be like an act of God to, to, to prove that I'm who I am, that you are yeah. who you are, that the new yeah. account because they um the hush puppy, which we'll say for another episode, if you follow the hush puppy crimes the number one way to defraud a bank is actually to, to, or defraud a company is to somehow intercept the accounts payable person and get them to change the deposit number. Because Mm -hmm. then they deposit the cash. You're more than 30 days away from the other people noticing like money's not been deposited. Mm -hmm. And by the time they try to investigate the person who did that, they're they're out the door. So that is the ultimate fraud, which is you get the people that do the paying to make the mistake. Yeah. Wow. That's not going to happen with us because I'm not calling that in. Well, so. I know it's not because it's going to take forever for them to yeah. like, change the routing number. <laughs> yeah, there's too many firewalls and things preventing fast speediness of the companies that we're working with. So Yeah, so these it. companies, they're going to be like, hey, can you uh, come in and leave a blood sample <laughs> good. for me to change this, this account number? I'm like, just change the number. <laughs> uh, so many things to think about. I feel like we covered a lot in our first finance episode here on Mission Daily that also, don't take any of our recommendations. This is not any kind of advice. Albert and I are literally just giving opinions here. So if you have a better opinion, yeah. let us know. Hit us up at infoadmission.org. Um, but until then, we will see you guys in the next episode. Until next time, everyone. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.